Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. So Jesus, thank you for Billy Patterson. I just pray as he opens your word this morning that our hearts would open by your spirit to what you're saying. I thank you for his life and ministry, and I just, it's such a joy to be led and taught by him this morning. Thank you, Jesus, in your name, amen. Amen. Give him a chance. Okay, we got that over with, all right? Won't be hearing that anymore. For those of you who are at the Christmas party you know what I'm talking about, but you may want to say that in here at some point. What a privilege. I feel like such a blessed man being able to speak to you on Christmas week, basically, and um, just feel really, I mean, very excited and thankful for this opportunity. So thank you. Thank you. I feel like this is an important time. Whoops. It's already up there. That's cool. Yeah, right now. Like, this is an important time. Don't be misled, all right? Don't be misled. This is a great time to be alive, a great time to be in church. It's a great time to be in this church. And I know, you know, life can be very difficult. And I know many of you are going through some very difficult things. But what a great time to be going through difficult things. We have the privilege to worship Jesus. Wow. The Prince of Peace, Savior to all mankind. It's an amazing time to be alive. And I guess my question is, are you? Like, are you alive? Is your heart pounding? You know, as the church... um, We've had a lot of terms. We've spoken about revival and worship this year. And we haven't really just spoken about it. We've actually seen those things come alive. God's been calling this church to revival over this last year. And um, I just think during Christmas week, it might be a great thing just to kind of look at a few of these things. Revival is when the church comes back to life. That's what it is. This guy, Richard Lovelace, no affiliation with the Lovelaces, Um, But, great name. The expanding of God's kingdom is a liberating warfare against the forces of darkness in which the most important battleground is the hearts of men. It's your heart that we're talking about when we talk about revival. It's returning, the church returning to its passion. The passion of Jesus. It's restoration, restoring something to its original condition. As I was preparing this talk, I had this incredible dream, literally a dream, 
where I was, you know, kind of immersed in this thought about revival and um, I had a dream where I feel like I was going, Lord, how do I explain this? And that day before I went to bed and I literally had this dream where I walked into this dark warehouse and um, it was literally a switch. Some hand turned the switch on, like a huge switch. And like this carnival, all the lights, everything turned on. It's like all systems are go. Like the system has been turned back on. And I know that with a crowd this big, there's probably a few of you, the system is just dark, silent, it's quiet. Or maybe your heart is bubbling up and you don't really know how to put it into words. But revival, make no mistake of it. It, it's not a corporate thing that doesn't start with a personal thing. Revival starts with your heart. And I'd like to say, is your heart worshiping today? If it is a heart experiencing revival, then I'd say, if you're not satisfied with worshiping anything or anyone but Jesus, your heart's not in revival. Like, revival is it's all on Jesus. Like, I want all of it. Now, of course, like, there's no way you're like 100% all the time. But that doesn't mean your heart isn't set toward Jesus. So this leads to the word of worship, which has been another huge word we have uh, really focused on here. Worth, worship is both an attitude and an act. An attitude and an act. An attitude and an act. Worship is when we respond to Jesus. That's worship. The Holy Spirit leads us to him and we, we actually surrender to him as Lord. So the Holy Spirit does something. He moves. He calls you to Jesus and you make the decision. Am I going to surrender to him in whatever that act is? That is true worship. There's great examples of this. In Exodus, you know, the, Mo the Israelites weren't always just going the wrong way. Moses had uh, spoken to them. It said he also performed the signs before the people and they believed and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them, they had seen their misery, they bowed down and they worshiped him. Their leader came in, performed signs, shared things, and they worshiped him. There's also Luke for Peter. When they, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break, so they signaled their partners to the other boat to come and to help him. And they came and they filled their boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. A miracle took place. Peter saw it and his reaction was conviction and worship. There's also John, Thomas doubts. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. He literally saw Jesus' holes in his hands and said, but there's plenty more, right? There's Isaiah who said, my lips are unclean. My, my hope today is that because it's Christmas, we actually focus on the story of Christ 
through the eyes of the shepherds. But before I get there, I'd like to speak on something I'm an expert at, and that's the third law of motion by Sir Isaac Newton. Actually, I have no idea except for what I'm about to read to you. I talked to my son Wes about this, and I think he was, he wasn't being critical, but he's going, be careful, don't talk too much on it. But this is so great. This kind of blew my mind. Newton's third law, if an object A exerts a force on object B, then object B must exert a force equal to magnitude in the opposite direction back on object A. Y'all got that. Y'all knew that already when you walked in here. Why is that important when I think of worship? I lo- and I love those little, those little whatever they're called when they hit. Because I see that, that dark blue object hitting those light blue objects except for those of us who are colorblind, which I'm sorry, I'm, I'm singling you out. You can't see that, but there is a darker one. Why did my eyes just happen to catch the one person in the room who's colorblind? Give them a chance. That's right. But... That act, God makes an act, it hits you, and it actually hits all the people around you. It's like a reverberation that moves on. Two opposite forces at play, there's an action and a reaction. Sometimes this is called the action-reaction law. Worship is at the heart of God. But when we as Christians try to become, come to an agreement on how to worship, It's often more difficult, right? If I ask this room, what is the definition of worship? There'd probably be a good dozen or so answers. Like songs, traditional ceremonies, quiet times, prayer, serving the poor, sharing our faith, missions to the world. When God shows himself, people respond. It's not an equal reaction. Obviously, God is much larger than us, but there is a reaction, and that is the best definition I can tell you about worship. I personally experience his revelation. I read his word, I get a conviction, or I hear Kelly's encouragement or exhortation. A worship song, maybe dreams. There are many ways that I experience an action towards me from God. And I have to choose, is, or is my heart ready to actually react? In my life, I've responded to many big things, and so have you. I mean, obviously, I came to faith as a cocky fraternity guy in college. I made the great decision to marry my wife, and many of you are very thankful for that. I made the decision to leave my family and go overseas to be a missionary. You know, I've, I've made decisions concerning my older parents who one had Alzheimer's and died and the other one is, is quickly moving away. But without the voice of God, without my heart set to worship, I am in utter disarray. And so will you. So will you. But worship is the moment, is a moment by moment surrendering. Now. And now. And now. And now. 
It's not now as in Sunday and then I'll see you next Sunday. It's a moment by moment surrendering our heart to those promptings or loud voices from the Holy Spirit. It's Christmas, so let's look at a real tangible action. And I think um, there's a group of guys that pray here on Tuesday mornings and one of them wrote on a little card, what an amazing that God noticed the shepherds. He brought the shepherds into this story. And I've just been looking through their eyes at the story and maybe you'll have a chance as well. And how they worshiped him. But God's action towards him, just read along there with me. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. There's an action. I always get kind of fearful. Oh Lord, don't, don't, I, if you walk into my room right now, I'm going to be scared to death. And I think that's how they were. They were terrified because not only did an angel show up, but the glory of God actually shone around them. And then thirdly, they said, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. It's like, what an encouragement. There's a, like an encouraging word was an action because a prophecy was being fulfilled. There he was, Jesus. He's in a manger. So Luke gives us, or gives the shepherds a sign. He writes this down. He, he also uh, shares what the sign is. You will find this baby wrapped. It's like the angel is saying, go and see, and you're gonna find the Messiah. But it doesn't just stop there. There's another action. Angels, the choir shows up. Can you believe it? They're praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. But then the shepherds react, right? What do they do? There's an attitude and there's an action. The attitude of the shepherds, well, they were shocked, they were amazed, they were, you know, beholding a presence that they had never sensed before. They felt something unusual. And what'd they do? They reacted. They reacted through what I believe is worship. They might have been terrified, but God, through his grace, said, don't worry, through the angel. God will bring his presence. The shepherds were encouraged. And then um, they encourage one another. Let me get back here. They encourage one another. It's another huge point in this that um, it, it is invaluable to have other Christians in your life who love Jesus like you love Jesus. Because when you sense the moment of God giving you an action, your response, if you don't move quickly, I think Jonathan says if he gives some stat, which it's unbelievable how he can take in all that knowledge and remember it all. But the, if you don't respond quickly to an action from God, you're probably not gonna do it. And if you're not around others who might actually say to you, hey, this is real, this is right, let's go. So they encourage one another. So I think um, they didn't just talk about it, but they took off. They hurried. So I love that. What did that look like? Uh, did they leave the shepherds? I mean, the sheep? Did they just run, you know? I don't think shepherds were welcome 
in cities back then. But they just ran in there and found out what was going on. They reacted by faith that there really was the Messiah in a manger. But the reaction didn't stop there. They left everything. That moment, but they didn't leave it forever. I think it's important to understand they were in the moment with Jesus there at the manger, but their reaction was to go back, not stay, to actually go back glorifying and worshiping God. When I came to faith, I didn't know how to share my faith. I, I, uh, it was in late November and I came home for Christmas. Like as soon as I could, I just pulled out the four laws and started reading them to my parents. It's a gospel track because I didn't know. I didn't know any better way. I wanted them to come to faith so desperately. I ran to them and shared the gospel with them. You know, they thought I was absolutely out of my mind. And then I was telling them I'm going to a Christmas conference with other college students with an organization called Crew. There were 15,000 students at this conference in 1983. And they thought, you're going to a cult. And I go, I'm not. You know, I just, this, I found Christ and he's changed, he's changed my heart. And it was like, well, let's just wait and see. But there was a reaction that I carried when I came to faith. Mary had a reaction. But the shepherds returned glorifying and singing as well. They basically shared what they had heard and seen. They testified. And um, I think it's amazing when people are actually praising God. You know the people. You've been around them. They seem a little unusual, but they're always praising God. I love that. I'm now drawn to it. But these men... I guess they're men, they could be women. But these men went back and they were praising and glorifying God for what they had just been seeing, what they saw, and they were testifying. It's, it's refreshing to see that. So, summarize and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a mission to take off with. God's action, the angel stood there, another action. Don't be afraid, another action. Gives them a sign, another action. Their response they reacted in faith. A couple of thoughts. They were terrified. I think that sometimes you'll be terrified. You'll walk into this room and you'll go, on Wednesday nights maybe, and you go, I've never seen anybody raise their hands before in worship or lay on their face. You might actually be terrified that you have a dream that makes so much sense. It actually gives you a picture of where you need to go. Or someone comes to speak to you and says, I don't know if this makes any sense. You take it to Jesus and find out, but here's what I think I'm supposed to tell you right now. You might be shocked by that and terrified, but remember, Jesus is in control. Is your heart set for worship? If it is, then you'll know what to do. The second thing is they didn't just leave. They hurried off. They ran toward this thing, whatever it was, this action by God as quickly as possible. Let's skip that. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God as I shared. And my question 
for me this week is am I testifying? Am I sharing this heart of worship or am I just coming to worship? Am I just soaking it all in for me? Or am I actually reacting and spilling it out towards others? And I want to ask you the same question. You're entering into Christmas and there's no greater time for you to be men and women of faith. To go out there and express what you know about Jesus, your love for him, and not be afraid. I want to be like the angel and said, don't don't be afraid of it. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's actually, worship is moving forward. It's living your faith out that what you've actually seen God and now you want others to see him too. You're not afraid to go out there and let your whole life shine before men. And I love how A.W. Tozer puts it. He actually, he actually shares with us what our purpose is. Everything in God's creation has its purpose. God created the silkworm to make silk. The bird was created to sing. The sheep for their wool. Throughout the Bible, the prophets and apostles all testify that God made us for a purpose. And that purpose is to sing his praises before the hushed audience of all creation. He goes on to say, the purpose of nature is to lead us to the creator and to worship him. The purpose of man's feelings and emotions is to lead to the one who implanted those within the heart of man, to the creator. Everything in all of creation is to point to the creator and to evoke within adoring, wonderful, and admiration and worship. Wherever we go, we can worship. We were created to do this, you guys. We were created. It's like the system when it's on, you're worshiping. Your heart is fully running after God. Or if the switch is off, it's not. But you were created for the systems to be on. Your heart was meant to beat for Jesus. If you aren't worshiping, you'll find out eventually the people you worship will let you down. The positions where you receive worship will let you down. If you're not worshiping Jesus, you are going to find something to worship because you were created to worship Jesus. Oh man, so when we talk about revival, we're calling God to revive our hearts. Turn the system on, God, turn it on. Our hearts were meant to worship so our lives would glorify God. The system within your soul was built to be on, turning on. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Given to the glory, do his name, worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. If the band could come up, I just, I want to challenge you guys to one thing. Is there, as the uh, church madrigal would come up and lead us, 
I want to part with this quote and ask you to consider. So we see that heeding God's call can mean leaving home and all that is familiar. It can demand our accumulated wealth and security or dare us to place dare us to place our blessing, even our lives at risk. It can also mean simply living where we are, but with an entirely new set of priorities. In every case, our particular vocation and God's service arises from our response to the basic call to radical availability. I love that term. Radical availability. Revival. If your heart is revived, you're available. Because if it's revived, you're sensitive to what God is calling you to do. And as you go out of this room and as you walk the streets of this city, I'm asking you to surrender. When you sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit, surrender. R.A. Torrey, who's an evangelist, he was a friend of D.L. Moody, he gave a prescription that will bring a revival, that will actually bring the world to a conclusion, to bring the great evangelistic last thrust of the universe, which I'm hoping will happen in my lifetime. But his prescription are these three things. Get a few Christians, just get a few Christians right with God. Number two, bind themselves together in a group to pray for revival until God opens the heavens and comes down. That's two. Number three, let them be available for God to use. That's it. I put it in these words. Abide. You, your heart. If you're going to be in revival, it starts with you and your heart should be abiding with him moment by moment. Number two, abide with other abiders. Find them. Do whatever it takes to be around these men and women who abide in Christ like you do and pray together for revival. Revival, you're praying for each other. You're praying that you would be so revived that when you're in your family group this this week, you're not afraid or ashamed to say, no, I just don't want that. I want to follow Jesus. And then third, make yourselves available. This one's a hard one. Because I, as I ask you this, it may be more than just walking down the street. It may be going across the seas to another place. I know that because I was sitting in your, your place and someone said that to me. And I had never left the United States of America ever. But my heart was revived. It was following Jesus to the core. And I simply said, okay, Jesus, you need people in Russia? I'll go. With my wife, she did the same. And we were together. We were unified in it. And God opened the door for us to share the gospel in a closed country that had never heard the gospel. And then from there, it was just one movement after another of amazing things, of promptings from the Holy Spirit. His action, our reaction. Make no mistake of it. This morning, 
there has been an action. The action has been called out to you. What is your reaction? Because that is real worship, is how you respond. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Christmas. Thank you for the shepherds who didn't just absorb the magnificent event out there in that dark field, but they responded. They went for it. They went to go see who Jesus was. And they came back praising you and glorifying God to all our friends and family. Thank you for the men and women in this room, Lord. We want to be faithful to your call. Each moment of each day, I ask the blessing on these folks, every man and woman and child in this room, Lord, bless them with faith. When the fear comes, because it will come, remove it in Jesus' name. Not allow the fear to, to thwart the plans that you have for them. May they walk in great faith, whether it's to share with their neighbor, whether it's to praise God in front of others, whether it's to pack up and move overseas and share the gospel to people who don't know you. Whatever it is, Lord, may you give them the courage and the faith to react. Pray this all in Jesus Christ. Amen. May I say this? I mean it from the Patterson family to yours. Merry Christmas.